I told somebody this week that that uh, we weren't talking about that song, but we were talking about the meaning of it, just leaving it with the Lord. And and I said that's one of them things. At least for me, that's uh, uh, sometimes can be easy preached and hard lived, and it really can. Um, I've there there um, have been a lot of times I've took them to the Lord and and uh, then I've picked them back up myself and carried them a little further. But there have been a few times that I've been able to completely leave it in the hands of the Lord. And uh, I, I appreciate those times. Uh, you know, we were talking, about, and I spoke last week about this a little bit, about the enemy. Um, he will never show any compassion. He'll never show you any mercy. And, uh, and that's one of the ways that he does that. He, he gets things on our minds and... and, um, and and he, if he can drive a wedge between you and your God, then he's done his job. And that's exactly the way he operates. He'll drive just enough of a wedge of doubt um, in between that, uh, that even David, or one of the psalmists says, no man cares for my soul. He'll, we were talking in Sunday school about how that uh, uh, Elijah felt alone. And uh, I certainly believe in today's society that God's people are meant by the world to feel like we're standing alone. Uh, but we're not. We're not. God stands with us. And, and as we were talking in Sunday school and Brother Joe was teaching, he told Elijah that he said, I've reserved to me 7,000 men. And I know there's just a few of us here this morning, but I'm glad he's I'm glad he's got a called out church. That's what a church is. It's a group of baptized believers that's been called out and called out of this world um, into a higher plane. And so if uh, I've said it lots of times, if there's any hope of turning this thing around and, uh, and a, a revival, I've said lots of times, will not begin with legislation in Washington, D.C., but it'll begin in a local body somewhere. And, uh, and, and if you want a revival, that's where it'll have to start with us. It'll have to start with the local body. And I don't know why I said all of that, but, but, uh, but I do want to reiterate what Brother Joe was teaching this morning. We are not alone. That there, The Bible teaches us and says that, that there's a host that compasseth us about, that his angels compasseth about those that fear him. And so I'm glad that there, and I think it was Brother Philip that made mention of it, and I agree with you, Brother, 100%. There is a spiritual war that is being played out right now. And uh, we're not able to see. We can see, the, we can see the results, some of the results, but there is a warfare that is going on in the spirit world that uh, would probably... Uh, shock even the most saint-hearted Christian if we could really see the warfare that's going on. But, uh, but I do believe that to be the truth. There is a war, and it's a war for the souls of men, and it's a war for the soul of our nation, and it's a war for the soul and the spirit in our churches. And, uh, and so I do appreciate the Sunday School lesson this morning. Is there anything on your heart before we get into our reading? I do desire your prayers, and this will probably be a short sermon. I don't want to hold you because we don't know what the weather is going to be. 
Um, and there's not really a whole lot on my heart, but I'm going to read some out of Jeremiah chapter number 36. If you want to follow along, <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter number 36. And probably going to do quite a bit of reading and, uh, and very little preaching, but that'll be all right. Um, Jeremiah was one that, uh, um, if you want to know two reasons why I am absolutely um, unashamed pro-life, uh, it's because of one, the Lord Jesus Christ was prophesied before His birth uh, that, that He should be born. Um, two, you can look at Jeremiah in the first chapter, uh, and the Bible declares, he said, not when I formed you in the belly, but he says, before I formed you in the belly, I knew thee. Okay? So, um, every child that has ever been born into this world, before we were ever formed, God knew all about us. Isn't that an amazing thing? He knew all about us. He said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet. Now, Jeremiah still had a choice. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of it shouldn't be controversial, but people have made it a controversial point about predestination and, and so forth. Um, nothing has ever taken God by surprise. He knows everything. If He didn't, He wouldn't be all-knowing. So He called Jeremiah, sanctified him. It was foreordained that Jeremiah would be a prophet uh, before he was ever born. But that's because God knew what Jeremiah was going to choose to do. But Jeremiah still had free will in the matter. See, the predestination of God, it doesn't run perpendicular to our free will, but it runs parallel to our free will. God called me to preach, and so I preach. But God knew that I would answer the call to preach before He ever called me to preach. And so, um, so He knows all about us. And, uh, and so, but one reason I'm absolutely pro-life is God had told Jeremiah and I've often thought about Jeremiah and some of these old prophets. They knew that they weren't going to be listened to. Ezekiel was another one. God had said, they're not going to hear you. And he told Jeremiah the same thing. They're not going to listen to you, but he said, I will be with you. And he said, I will put my words into your heart and into your mouth. And uh, he said, I'll be with you. And so uh, God did not call Jeremiah to save the nation. God called Jeremiah to preach and prophecy unto the nations of Israel and of Judah. And that's what he did. He's known as the weeping prophet. If you, if you read the book of Lamentations, you'll find the words of Jeremiah. And he, he's weeping over his nation. And, uh, and, and if I could... Um, Jesus Christ did the same thing when he wept over the city of Jerusalem. Shortly before he was crucified, he said, If you had only known how I would have gathered you together as a hen gathereth her chicks, and you would not. 
Uh, I personally believe He gives that same warning to every nation, this nation included. He longs to just gather us together. It was mentioned in Sunday school that God gave us this nation. I firmly am persuaded in that. Uh, I'm enough of a student of history, self-taught in a lot of cases, but I've read enough history uh, of the founding documents. I've read enough history of our founding fathers to know that they weren't perfect men, but if you judge them by the time that their writings were written, uh, lots and lots of them did fear the Lord and, and, um, and thanked Him and entered into a covenant with Him. But uh, Jeremiah chapter number 36, and it says, It came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel, and against Judah, and against all the nations, from the day that I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even to this day. Now, let me just say that uh, about 22 years had passed since Jeremiah first began prophesying against Judah and against Israel. And when it's talking about from the days of Josiah, Josiah reigned, I think, 31 years, and Jeremiah started prophesying maybe in the eighth year of his reign. So, uh, so God is basically saying unto Jeremiah, take a roll or some parchment and write down every prophecy uh, that I've ever given you. And, uh, and so we know that uh, we know that the Bible is not written of men. It's written by men as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Because there would be no way that Jeremiah could have remembered everything that he had prophesied uh, except God would bring that back to his remembrance. Uh, but, but this is the reason. It says, It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do to them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. And Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am shut up, I cannot go into the house of the Lord. Therefore go thou and read in the roll which thou hast written from my mouth the words of the Lord in the ears of the people in the Lord's house upon the fasting day. And also thou shalt read them in the ears of all Judah that come out of their cities. It may be that they will present their supplication before the Lord and will return every one from his evil way. For great is the anger and the fury that the Lord hath pronounced against this people. So that's the reason. Uh, and uh, that's the reason we preach the gospel this morning. That it might be uh, that people will turn from sin... And, uh, and to the Lord, for great is the fury that the Lord hath pronounced against his people. And Baruch the son of Neriah did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading in the book the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. Um, for time's sake, let's skip down to about verse 16. And it says, Now it came to pass when they had heard all the words, they were afraid, both one and another, and said unto Baruch, We will surely tell the king of all these words. 
And they asked Baruch, saying, Tell us now, how didst thou write all these words at his mouth? Then Baruch answered them, He pronounced all these words unto me with his mouth, and I wrote them with ink in the book. Then said the princes unto Baruch, Go hide thee, thou and Jeremiah, let no man know where ye may be. And they went into the king and to the court, but they laid up the roll in the chamber of Elishama, the scribe, and told all the words in the ears of the king. So the king sent uh, Jehudi to fetch the roll, and he took it out of uh, Elishama, the scribe's chamber, and Jehudi read it in the ears of the king and in the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass when Jehudi had read three or four leaves, he cut it with the penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all of these words. And I guess we'll stop there, um, and uh, let's skip down to verse 27. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after that the king had burned the roll, and the words which Baruch wrote at the mouth of Jeremiah, saying, Take thee again another roll, and write in it all the former words that were in the first roll which Jehoiakim the king of Judah hath burned. And thou shalt say to Jehoiakim the king of Judah, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast burned this roll, saying, Why hast thou written therein, saying, The king of Babylon shall certainly come and destroy this land, and shall cause to cease from thence man and beast? Therefore, thus saith the Lord of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit upon the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out in the day to the heat, and in the night to the frost. And I will punish him and his seed and his servants for their iniquity, and I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the men of Judah all the evil that I have pronounced against them, but they hearken not. Then took Jeremiah another roll and gave it to Baruch, the scribe, the son of Neri, who wrote therein from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the book which Jehoiakim king of Judah had burned in the fire, and there were added besides unto them many like words. So we, we, see, the, um, we see the disdain that people had in this day for the word of the Lord. And we can see the disdain that people have in, in our day for the word of the Lord. Um, all you have to do is begin to mention the Bible. Now, let me say this. The Bible never goes about to, don't get me wrong, it will, it will declare itself to be true. But, but it never sets out to do that. It, it simply says in the beginning, God, and you either believe that or you don't believe it. Uh, but, but, but there is a fascination going on that, that people have been picking and choosing. I've, I've read the history of Thomas Jefferson pretty thoroughly, and, and when he was in the White House, he, uh, people don't know what to make of him spiritually, and I have no idea 
what he was like spiritually, but I do know that that uh, that uh, that people have called him an atheist. I don't think he was an atheist. I believe maybe he was an agnostic. Uh, but he he, according to history, took a, pen, a literal penknife and and cut out parts of the New Testament and glued them into a glued them into a journal and uh, and and he titled it the life teachings and morals or something like that basically the life teaching and morals of the Lord Jesus Christ but he omitted all of the miracles like feeding the 5000 and and uh, raising the dead and and uh, and and by doing that uh, he eliminated the god part of the god man that's my opinion he he, he took a penknife. He cut out what he wanted to to study, and and you can make a you can make a case that if you just follow the teachings and morals of Jesus Christ, you will be a good moral man. And and certainly, uh, I wouldn't disagree with that. But uh, but in order for a man to be saved, there must be something besides the moral teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he was not only a man, he was and is to this day the God-man uh, that should come into the world. So so you can't take part of the Bible, and I said that to say this, uh, uh, you can't take parts that you like about the Word of God and, and declare them to be true, and you can't take other parts and declare them to be false. And and I'm speaking to you today that uh, that as far as we know are lost without God. If you if you genuinely believe the Bible to be the inspired word of the living God, then you must, without ceasing, uh, you must not only take uh, the good portions or what you deem to be good, but you must also take the prophecies that have to deal with destruction that come upon the unbeliever. Uh, you have to take the whole Word of God or you can't take any of it. It's a, it's a package deal. And, and uh, I've, I've, uh, I was reading something that the Bible was ghostwritten and by that uh, I certainly would agree that men uh, wrote the words down but the Holy Ghost is the actual writer of both the Old and the New Testaments, and men moved as they were spake uh, by the Holy Ghost unto them, and they pinned the words down. Now, Jeremiah was commanded at this time to, uh, to, to uh, tell unto his servant uh, all the prophecies that he had prophesied against Judah. And, and the servant did that. He, uh, Jeremiah spoke the words and, and his servant copied them down and went and read it in the fasting day in the temple. And the people that heard that, uh, they, uh, some of them were quite scared and then they, they said, we'll certainly bring this matter, uh, before the king. And now they brought that matter before the king and the king commanded to go and get the scroll and inquired how this came to be. And Baruch simply said, he spoke the words and as he spoke the words, I wrote them down. And, uh, and they read it before the king and the Bible says the king took a pen knife and, uh, and as they were laid out on parchments, they weren't bound in books, 
like we have today, but they were uh, they were on scrolls and and uh, and between pieces of wood. He would take a penknife and whittle them away and and begin to throw the word of God into the fire. Uh, I would say today that many have tried that same thing, and it will be just like it was to this man. It will be your undoing. It'll be into your peril. It'll be into your destruction. If you take the Word of God and cast it aside as something uh, to be uh, unbelieved. And this king uh, did that very thing. He took it and until there was nothing left and the whole thing had been thrown into the fire. Uh, but I find in the Word of God that the Bible says that forever, O oh God, Thy Word is settled in heaven. In other words, people in, in churches today, especially in mainstream churches, and maybe even in some of our Baptist churches, have took their pen knives and they've cut the word hell completely out of it. Now the Bible colleges and seminaries in our country have taken the doctrine of hell and completely cut it out of the Word of God. Now they took the punishment and the anger and the fury and the wrath of God and they've, uh, they've took their pen knives and they've cut it out and you don't hear it preached on, you don't hear it talked about, uh, you don't hear it. We uh, we uh, we live in a culture that when a celebrity passes from this life, all the news media will get on TV, talk about all the good that they've done, and many of them have uh, done good, engaged in charities and whatnot. But uh, but uh, but uh, but their soul has ended up in some place, and I'll I'll say in this case it was a king. We were talking in Sunday school about the direction of our nation. And, and every year a president, whichever one is sitting in, in the White House, will give a State of the Union address. Uh, I would say if we could give a State of the Church address this morning, uh, that we would be shocked to find out uh, the state of lots of our churches today uh, because they have simply removed the portions of the Word of God that they feel uh, that that uh, would drive away some of their members. I'm certainly not pastoring here. I believe the I believe it was three years ago today. I believe maybe it was the third Sunday in January 2019 that maybe I came for the first time here. I do know it was in January, and I'm pretty certain it was the third Sunday. Uh, at least I was here on the third Sunday of that month. And, and I don't know if you remembered what I preached or not, but uh, but I remember preaching. I knew you were looking for a pastor. And I can remember preaching on hellfire and damnation. And I did that because I wanted you to understand that if you uh, did indeed consider me for a pastor, uh, that you would have a pastor that would not be afraid uh, to preach on the doctrine of eternal damnation. Uh, but many people are afraid to preach about that. Many are afraid to preach about adultery and fornication. Uh, I've heard a man say, and I probably agree with him, uh, do you know why we have the trouble uh, in our country, in our culture today uh, with gay marriage and lesbian and, and the LGBT movement and all of that? And he said you can trace it back uh, to where we as God's people 
started holding the institute of marriage down to a lower degree. And once you let adultery sweep in that door, uh, you have opened that door for anything to come in. And I would say that's exactly what's happening uh, to our doctrines. I talk with Brother uh, Swaffer a lot about our doctrines and how people are, are just really unsound in the doctrine of the church. I could get up here and tell you the wrongful doctrines and quite honestly, uh, sometimes I think uh, 50% or greater than that would probably believe the wrong doctrine uh, because we've lost our love for the Word of the living God. Uh, because we have laid the book aside and because we just expect the preacher and the pastor to tell us the truth. i got news for you. There are lots of preachers and pastors who are holding back part of that truth from their congregations today. I want you here today that are lost without God uh, to know in certain terms. When I was growing up, uh, there was a uh, there was a power about the name hell. I mean, a preacher would preach about hell and begin to stomp his foot and the pulpit would tremble and there would be a silence. Uh, but I want you to understand today, I don't even really fully know how many of God's people are even persuaded enough that that place exists uh, because we come in every Sunday and we have the uh, we have the thought on our mind. Well, and now, brother, they'll get saved at some point. I don't know about you. I want that some point to be today. I want that some point to be now. How we get it in our heart. Well, the Lord will work all of it out. And don't get me wrong, I believe He will. I believe every last one of our laws to be saved. But I want Him to know. And if you're one of them today, I want you to know in certain terms. Belinda talked about a while ago how that they call the families in. There are times that people pass from this life when we do have... Uh, we do have an estimation of how much time we have left. If you get called in and diagnosed with something terminal, uh, the doctor will declare unto you in their estimation you've got such and such time left on this earth and people will make preparations. Uh, but I would also have you to know uh, that in many cases we are completely caught unaware of the time of our passing from this life. And if you pass from this life uh, without ever having repented, uh, without ever having believed, uh, with, with being exactly what this king did, you see the king just threw it into the fire. And by throwing that into the fire, all of those people around him, it gave them courage to mock Jeremiah and to mock the Word of God. Uh, the lesson in Sunday school today uh, was for us as God's people uh, to keep on keeping on. And so as long as there's breath in our body, we ought to be concerned enough about our lost people uh, that they, if they should depart, if God forbid uh, the weather gets bad and somebody slides off the road and into you uh, on the way home today or into me and we are completely caught unawares 
unprepared, unprepared to meet God, uh, we will slip out into eternity, into the wrath of God. You say, preacher, uh, that's a hard saying. It is a hard saying today. Uh, but I'm completely persuaded uh, that those who die lost without God will find themselves under the wrath of God who gave them a chance. He is a merciful God. He does save sinners. Maybe I don't do a good enough job at explaining that. He will save anybody that comes to Him in faith and in fear and trembling, falling down before God, uh, repenting and confessing and believing with your whole heart. If you say He won't save them, you've made God out to be a liar. And God is not a man that He should lie. Uh, but He's also not a man that He should lie when it regards the state of our union and the state of the cities and the land of Judah and Jerusalem at this time and the city and nation of Israel at this time Jeremiah had warned them for months and years on end for 22 years all the prophecies that he had prophesied he kept saying there's going to be a land and a nation come out of the north and they're going to take this land and they're going to take God's people past and the people stopped their ears and they refused to listen. I could say the same thing to America today. You put me on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC and I could, I could, I could do my dead level best to tell the people that there is judgment that's being poured forth upon this nation and because God has blessed this nation more abundantly than the other nations, I do think we will be held at a higher standard when it comes to the judgment of an Almighty God. I believe that with all my heart. But you know what people would do? They would stop their ears. They would say, we've got military might. We've got money. Uh, let me tell you something. We don't really have money anymore. We have debt. That's what we have. We are enslaving our entire generation of children and grandchildren under China, if you really want to know the truth about it. Amen. That's right. That's right. Because we have focused so much on the outward life, we have lost focus on what really matters. Let me tell you something, church. Our lost people are in trouble. Amen. They are in trouble. You might not think so today, you young boys and young girls. You might not realize the danger that you're in, but if you've ever at one time been convicted of your sins, if you've ever felt the drawing and the pulling and the tugging and the mercy of God, the Bible said it's the goodness of God that leads thee to repentance. Do you know what that is? That's not God trying to be mean to you. That's God trying to love you and save you and say, I've made a way for you to not go to hell. That's what the cross was all about. <clears throat> That's what made it so horrible. He took the wrath of God the Father. It wasn't just He was crucified, but it was why. 
It was why was the Savior crucified? It was to keep people out of hell. It was so that they could be redeemed, so they could be forgiven. He told Pontius Pilate, For this cause I came forth into this world to bear witness of the truth. He took the wrath of God upon His own self on the tree so that people like us can be saved. What a Savior that we serve. But people today have taken that whole doctrine and just cast it out. And they've stopped their ears. And meanwhile, meanwhile the grim reaper is coming. And he's striking them down. You ever think about what it was like in Egypt uh, when the, uh, when the night of the Passover and the death angel came through and he would strike this one down and strike that one down? Uh, you look around at the pestilence of COVID today, how many people has been struck down by this disease and it is without a doubt the judgment of God and yet people still stop their ears. Amen. God told Jeremiah, He said, you tell them, I have risen up early and I've sent you prophets and priests and and teachers of the law. And He said, you have not listened. It's 2022. God has got up early and sent America preachers and pastors and evangelists and teachers and people trying to warn about You know what finally my voice is gone, so I guess I'm done. You know what finally, finally drove me to preach? It was the call of God, but do you know what finally done it? It was the thought that if I don't do this, somebody could die and go to hell. And according to what he told Ezekiel, that blood would have been on my hand. That's what he said. He said, Ezekiel, if you see the danger and the warning and you blow the trumpet, if the people hear, they'll hear. And if they don't, they don't. But he said, it'll be on their heads. He said, but if you see the danger and you blow not the trumpet, their blood will I require at your hand. So this preacher has done all that I can do for three years to try to paint you a picture of hell. There will be no court of appeals in hell. Do you know that? Here in America, we've got inmates that have sit on death row, committed some of the most heinous crimes known to man. They'll rape and they'll murder and they'll do anything under the sun. And they'll still have a day in court. They'll still have a day of appeals. They'll sit on death row. They'll go get a good lawyer. And some of them will get out of that death sentence. But you know in hell, judgment has already been passed. Judgment is passed on you the moment you either reject the Savior or repent unto salvation. That's when judgment is passed. And when you depart from this life, there'll be one judge and there'll be one sentencing and there will be no court of appeals. There's no more revivals in hell. 
No more blood to save in hell. No more sermons in hell. No more preaching in hell. No more altars in hell. But once you're there, you will burn forever. And people stop their ears at that and say, we don't want to hear about it. I got news for that king. He can cut that with a pen knife. You can take this book. You can cut it all out. You can throw it into the fire. But it won't change the fact in the beginning God all the way down to even so come Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. Hell has been here long before we were ever born. It will continue to burn long after we're dead and gone. And people stop their ears. Again, you can cut it with a pen knife and throw it in the fire. But it won't change one jot or one tittle about this book. It's all going to come just like He said it would. My voice is gone and I said I wouldn't preach long for the weather, so I guess I'm done. Come ahead with a song. But church, I want you to understand the peril We saw tornadoes come through Kentucky recently. And just, me and Terrence was talking a while ago, just, just, I mean, destroy everything in its path. And the siren in Tompkins Hill never went off that. One morning a tornado came through a few months ago, and it just so happened as it touched down right in the city of Tompkinsville, it touched down right on those cow sirens so they couldn't go off. There was no warning. I was driving Dad to the doctor and and it happened. We were in it and really didn't even know it, but it destroyed property up there, uh, destroyed homes up there. Uh, but, But when those warning systems work, they give people an opportunity to prepare. And as the church of the living God, we ought to be sound in the warning. That's what Isaiah was told. He said, cry aloud and blow the trumpet and warn my people. Warn them. And so church, we were talking in Sunday school. We've we've begun to lose our fire. We have. If we're honest with ourselves, we've begun to lose our zeal. To see our own lost. It's not some lost person that you've never met halfway across the earth, but it's people that have grown up that you've known since the time they were born and now they're teenagers or now they're in college, now they're out of school, now they're living on their own and as far as we know, still lost without God and we have lost our zeal for them to get right before they leave. And you say, preacher, that's hard language. It is. But am I not telling you the truth? That's, that's good preaching right there. We've lost our zeal because the love that we have for God has waxed cold. You can say, preacher, I don't believe that. You don't, do you? You don't believe that, do you? When's the last time you opened the Bible? When's the last time you just began to pour over the Word and say, God, would You just reveal unto me what You would have me know? 
take this Scripture and imprint it upon my heart and teach me Thy laws and Thy statutes. Give me a burden. Give me a job to do. I don't want to just come in and fill up the seat as Jake preached a few weeks ago. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to get in the game. I was talking to, uh, I guess, the pastor at Monterville the other day. I met him at the funeral home. He was talking about baptizing and about a baptism. And he said, you know what that is? He said, that's our uniform. And he said, that's our uniform. When we're in the Lord's army, that's what we got to do. Put on your uniform. I'm telling you, God expects us to die on the battlefield. Amen. He really does. And that's the first thing you need to do. Once you're saved, it's to be baptized. And I'm proud we're going to baptize Colby when the weather breaks. And I pray there will be some more. But I'm telling you, I'm, this may be your fire. Every, every nation that ever failed or every individual that ever died lost has had a final warning. This may be indeed our final warning as a nation. God may be finished with us. We may have accomplished it. Now, you can say, I don't believe that. I don't neither, really. I don't, let me put it this way. I don't want to believe it. But it could very well be true. God could be finished with it. You know why? You know when God will be finished with us? When we're finished with Him. Amen. That's right. So that's the question. Are we finished with Him? Or are we going to go back to Him? Jeremiah said, I wrote all this down, prophesied all this, because there may still be a chance when these words are read before the king that he'll fall down like they did in the in city of Nineveh. That king heard Jonah preach. He fell down in sackcloth and ashes. Oh, do you know what? You know what makes me feel good about our country? Is if our president and his advisors, if all of those in Congress on both sides of the aisle have said we need to turn back to God and repent and mourn and fast because great is the judgment of God against this place. But do you know what would probably give me greater joy than that? Would be for a church. Not just the lost, but for a church from the leadership, the pastors and the deacons, and the leadership in the church to say we need to return unto God. Because if the church never returns, you can forget about the nation. President Joe Biden will never bow if the church ain't going to bow. Did you know that? I mean, I know God could get a hold of him. But do you know how God gets a hold of people? When His people begin to pray conviction down. You can't sing it down. You can't preach it down. But you can pray it down. The Holy Ghost of God. You can pray Him down. I can't can't preach Him down. I've tried. I've tried. And it don't work that way. But you can pray the Spirit down. And that's what our, our churches need a dose of the Spirit of God. We've not seen the movement in a long, and I mean a real Holy Ghost movement. I mean really on fire for God. I mean people that can't wait to get to the house of God. I'm not discouraging anybody from coming. I don't blame any church for closing today with the weather. But let me ask you this. 
If it was work tomorrow, how many people that didn't come today would drive out in a foot of snow to get to their paycheck tomorrow? You can say, preacher, that's harsh. I'm telling you, we've lost our fire to go to the house of God. We'll battle a foot of snow to drive to work to get a paycheck. But it comes a little rain and it keeps us out of the house of God. I mean to tell you that's the day in which we're living. Right. We're God's people. Forget, forget the lost of men. God's people have no desire to hear the preached Word of God. Amen. Because they're afraid it'll get on them and they'll have to do something about it. That's exactly the truth. They're afraid that God's going to give them something to do or something to say and they don't want to do it and they don't want to come and they don't want to participate and they don't want to read and they don't want to pray and they don't want to sing but they want a revival. I'll say they don't want it bad enough or they do the things that needs to be done. I'm done now. Go ahead with the song.